Welcome to Tales from the Fourth Trimester, a podcast dedicated to the beauty and brutality of new motherhood. I'm your host, Naomi Krisalakis, and I'm a postpartum doula and cook in Sydney, Australia. My service, Cocoon, provides good food and a helping hand for new mummers. Join me as I chat to women about what happened after they brought their baby home and interview experts for their wisdom. Because giving birth is just the beginning. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Tales from the Fourth Trimester and welcome to 2020. I hope you've all enjoyed your break if you've had a break. It's been a bit of a weird old summer here in Sydney in Australia where I'm recording this and definitely has had a different feel to the typical summer holidays where it's all about slow days and relaxation and you know fun and friends and family and instead it's been all about fires and worry and grief and climate change and all of those things and that's coming from someone living in the city so I can't even imagine what it's been like for people who are actually being directly affected by the awful fires that are happening. So it's been a bit of a weird start to the year but I'm really happy to be back with the podcast. Um, I've already got some really exciting episodes lined up for you guys. Um, I'd love to hear if there's anything in particular you'd like to see or hear covered this year Um, or any guests that you think would be great to get on. Um, today I'm joined by Jessica Chapnick Khan, who is, I guess, a bit of a renaissance woman. She's an actor, a singer, a published poet now. Um, I came across her poetry at first and was instantly fascinated because she has um, written a book of poetry called Madre, which is Spanish for mother. Um, and I read some of the poetry, loved it and just wanted to get her on to have a chat to her about creativity and motherhood because I think one of the big fears if you're a creative type or you have a creative streak is that parenthood might stymie that in some way and squash it and you won't have time for it or you might lose the, you know, that creative genius or whatever it is. Um, And I think what is fantastic about hearing about Jessica's experience is um, motherhood in all of its, you know, brutality and beauty really inspired her. And it's actually not only inspired her, but kind of shifted her creativity and elevated it. And now it's taken it in on all these unexpected twists and turns, which I think is not something you hear about a lot. The general story that we hear about motherhood, the narrative is that, you know, you kind of lose your sense of self and you become a slave to your children and um, you don't have time for things. And that is certainly one part of it. And I think, you know, Jessica will probably agree with that that element, but um, it's also really interesting to hear about what can happen um, on the other side of that. So without further ado, I will let you get into the um, podcast episode. I will just quickly say I am back up and running with cooking and until the end of the month, 20% 
of profits will be going to bushfire relief to wires and to the RFS. So you know where to find me on Instagram, um, on my website cocoonbynaomi.com and I really hope you enjoy this first episode of 2020. So today I've got Jessica Chapnick-Khan with me. Um, I reached out to Jessie over Instagram after I saw that she put a book of poetry out via my friend Sally Seltman's account and I was like, oh, I need to talk to this woman. How amazing that she's writing poetry about new motherhood literally in postpartum. So as I started going down the rabbit hole of Instagram, just some light Instagram stalking, I was like, oh, cool, she's a musician as well. Oh, wait, she's an actress as well. Oh, hang on, she's written a kid's book. She's like, so (laughs) welcome, Jessie, and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who who your mum to, and yeah. Thanks so much for having, thanks so much for contacting me. It's fun to be here um yeah my name is Jessica Chapnick Khan and um I'm a singer songwriter actor writer and I'm in a writing zone at the moment since I had my little boy Lev who is now turning three next week wow yeah I can't believe it's you know everyone tells you how fast it goes but it it does yeah and three is is such a fun age I've got a three and a half year old oh okay yes I do love three there's a lot going on (laughs) yes the energy is powerful (laughs) put it mildly (laughs) yeah so um you're based in Melbourne so I'm based in Sydney oh you're based in Sydney oh for some reason I had in my head that you're in Melbourne no no I'm in Sydney okay cool um Lovely. Um, Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Madre, which is, I'm just like holding up the book as if people can see us, but they can't. (laughs) So uh, the the book is beautiful to read, but also very beautiful. Just it's really tactile and I get a bit geeky about like paper stock and stuff and it's really beautiful. And Uh, it's uh, my friend and I who made like, um, we started this label called mother courage together and we're just we're book lovers and we really wanted the book to be beautiful like really beautiful Mm. which is why we've only made 350 copies and they're very limited and they're you know gold embossed and linen bound and you know all the all the stuff we love in older old older books i guess Mm. um so yeah so we we thought we might as well have it be the most beautiful we can imagine it you know why cut any corners so that's what we did and it is really it is really really beautiful it's um I've had it on like I finished reading it ages ago but I've just been it's been on my bedside table because I just like to see it there <laughs> and it's got as well as your um poetry it's got your drawings in it as well yeah. lovely yeah so before we get into talking a bit about my dream where it all came from do you want mm. to read a poem for us yes i thought i'd choose this one called the loneliness is deep i always go back to this one because i think it 
you know, when I read the book now, a lot of it's memories, you know, like, oh my God, yeah, that's what it was like in the early days. It's sort of a diary of that time, a record of that time. This poem, I think I pull out because I feel that it's probably just the motherhood experience. It doesn't, it doesn't pass. It, it has a feeling for me that it's probably just something I'm always going to feel or go through. So I'll read it for you now. The loneliness is deep. The loneliness is deep, even in my happiest moments with you. The days are short, but the night hours burn like prickly flames that have no warmth or kindness. I want to be held, but now my arms are for holding. I want to ask, but now my voice is for answering. I bury my face in your neck, in your clothes, in your hair. Loneliness never smelt so sweet. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> that really resonates mm. with me. Mm. So tell us about your experience of becoming a mum. Do you want to tell us a little bit about pregnancy and birth? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, Pregnancy, this was a planned pregnancy and we were really excited. And by about week seven, I started feeling really sick. I mean, really, really sick from morning to night. Mm. And by week eight, I was pretty much bedridden. I couldn't be upright at all. Oh, no. Um, so I started going into a really dark dark place um which went on till about week 17 it lifted I wasn't sure what would happen to me um I had antenatal depression which I hadn't really heard of you know you sort of hear about postnatal and you you're afraid of what that might look like um but it happened in pregnancy and didn't happen after I think I was a very likely candidate to go through postnatal after that experience is what sort of doctors were telling me at the time it was pretty much the darkest thing I've ever been through it's I did not write in that time I didn't do a thing I it wasn't even bad thoughts it wasn't even negativity or it was nothingness it was absolute nothingness with the sickness um i felt that i was just in a black box i the nothingness just broke me i i had no idea how i would ever return um i was also really afraid of even when i did you know my husband at the time was like how about we just you know walk out just to get some fresh air and I'd sort of hobble up. I just couldn't even stand up straight and I was afraid of open spaces. I felt like I was sort of in the womb myself. Like I was, I was, I was, I needed to be in that constricted dark. I couldn't, it was like, I mean, I remember talking to my therapist at the time and saying, 
I'm, I feel like I'm experiencing what it's like to be the baby. Come, I mean, it sounds really weird to say, but I felt like I'm that consciousness. Like I'm, I'm just nothing in this dark place. And it was really, really scary. Um, and by the time 17 weeks rolled around, it just lifted and new hormones kicked in and I was so happy <laughs> and so light and so embracing of the world. I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert big time, so I'm not, I don't love walking down the street and bumping into people or anything like that. I was like obsessed with seeing people and bumping into people and saying hi to people. And I felt like, it was this openness like I'd never known before. I felt like I needed everybody, even strangers. Mm. I felt I need people, which I'd never really, as an introvert, that's not really a feeling that you, you do need people, but you don't connect to in the same way that I think, you know, maybe an extrovert might connect to that more. Um, I was obsessed with people. I, I, I felt like I need everybody to become a mother. I need the strangers on the street, they don't realise their role. I need them to just reflect something back at me. It was such a beautiful, open, loving, forgiving state of being. Um, and that lasted the whole pregnancy. Mm. And when Lev finally was born, which was a really incredible experience, things didn't go according to plan shall we say I was meant to be at the birth center I wanted a water birth all that it didn't happen quite like that but um it was magic it was magic because I'd I'd been my beautiful doula Nadine Richardson I don't know if you know her she does a beautiful course she called Sheba yeah yeah she was my doula um and you know, that course prepares you for things not going according to plan, but the acceptance of however it is that they unfold. So I was really ready for that. And everything that happened was still magic. Um, and I, I think now looking back, I was waiting for some darkness to come and sort of sweep me away. Mm. But it didn't. I was on a high. I mean, I was probably on a crazy high for about four weeks, like crazy. Like it was just the highest I've ever been in my life. Um, you know, with, you know, hormones, lack of sleep, all of it. Um, and then I just settled into more normalcy. But, you know, it was it was very difficult but it was not you know I call it sort of an exquisite difficult bliss because I did feel that I was in this bliss absolute bliss bubble with just with this difficulty it was like this new experience of mm. difficulty meets bliss I have no other way to describe it um I think that's perfect actually yeah and the breastfeed you know that was the breastfeeding was just Oof, that was a big, just a big deal and a big, a huge, a huge process for me, um, mm. an incredible process, but just requires so much surrender, like mm. constantly. 
Um, and in that time, I'm just going into the poetry book, in that time, I think, you know, I'd been used to just having all these friends that I would process things with and talk, go deep, you know, and talk about stuff. And I just, I found myself having nothing to really say when I was meeting friends or people coming over to visit. I just felt so blank in that department of expression. And I mean, there were no words for what was happening. And I sort of, they'd leave and I'd think, was I here? I mean, no, I was here. That was lovely. But why was it, was it empty? I couldn't, I couldn't find, I thought, am I as fun as I, am I, what, what, what is this? What are these new interactions? I didn't know who I was sort of being. I, it was, um, it was, it was lovely. That's the thing, but it was just, it wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't Mm. us just going deep and talking about whatever we wanted. There was this baby there and we were, focusing on that but then I wanted to know about them and then I felt like I couldn't be a good friend because I couldn't do my usual folk like the way I focus on people just wasn't the same so I felt that I wasn't being the friend that I was used to being and that was sort of a little bit disturbing so I would I ended up just you know when I was breastfeeding and stuff like that I I just never felt like you know I I never pulled out my phone and stuff like that in those. Was it? I just, I actually barely used my phone in that time. I just remember feeling it didn't, apart from the crazy calculating your breastfeeding, I just remember the app where you're like, left breast, you know. (laughs) That's when I had my phone. It was just like, oh, it was so good to get rid of that because it was like an obsession with this app that was doing nothing for yeah, me, yeah. me out about mills and whatever it was um so I really didn't I gave myself this time without the phone mm. and when I feed him because you know that feeding time it's gosh it's a real like you're sort of you're so alone you're so alone in that feeding and yet you're together you're more together than you can ever be you and your baby mm. you're kind of more alone than you've ever been mm. And there's just this quiet. And I think that's why it's it's quite an easy time to grab something like a phone because you want connection and you're just not sure what this intimacy is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I ended up just grabbing whatever was in front of me, whether it was, you know, scraps of wrapping paper from someone who had visited or my arm or whatever, and I'd just write a few lines, a few words, something that would just come, you know, into my mind, which was in my mind it was diary and I you know I've always been a huge diary person and journaling Mm. and I'd always written my songwriting and I'd always written poetry but the the these were little diary entries that were coming out in poem form in fact I wrote the very first one the day the night Lev was born because I was in hospital completely on my own um that night I remember just holding holding Lev and like you've got this whole mic to just be holding this little stranger you know and just looking and shaking from like oh my god oh my god this is this is my child this is my son this is my son like it was just I couldn't even 
I think I kept saying it even out loud. I just felt like it was so surreal. And I probably wrote, you know, two, three lines that are one of the poems. I can't remember which poem it ended up being, but I never thought of an audience. You know, I wasn't writing a book or anything like that. I was writing in my diary and the diary became, it, it was, it was more coming out in poetry form because I guess poetry, you know, you need a lot less words and a lot less time to express things. It's in the realm of the symbolic. So it was an easy, it was easy to marry my feelings to poetry. So that's how I, that's how it began. You know, I never sat down at a desk. I never, you know, that's the main thing that people ask me when they get the book oh my god how did you have time to write a book that's insane I didn't I didn't sit down and write a book I never considered an audience it never occurred to me I just wrote little things and they sometimes they were in the middle of the night when I was really scared and and sometimes they were when I was walking out on the street you know with Lev in a carrier putting him to sleep or when I was at a park sitting with Lev and just watching pigeons and feeling, wow, have I ever been this present in my entire life? You know, a mixture of, again, that loneliness with absolute power and presence and joy, you know. Um, so that's that's sort of how that happened this this book i guess is a big part of my of my process of becoming a mother it is my process it's it's as close as i could get to recording my process um and the and the drawings you know i i've never drawn anything in my life i'm not someone who's ever wanted to draw anything it just never occurred to me um, but for some reason I found that, I don't know when it happened in the first few weeks, I, I could not not draw his face. It was like this feeling that I will, you know, you know, those first weeks you're looking at that face of your child and it's almost like mush. Like you can't understand what you're looking at. You can't understand yeah, what are these eyes? Where are they? You know, what's this? What's the mouth like? And it, and they're changing so fast. Like literally, they'll have a nap, and you'll pick them up, and you're like, you know, has their have they grown? You know, has their face changed? Um, so I I found myself just grabbing a pen and just drawing his face to understand to understand what I was looking at. It was like it was a light. There was so much light from him in a way which I think baby have that sort of shining right it just I couldn't capture it with eyes so I had to sort of copy him with a pen and copy and try and understand and um so that's what I did I tried to understand him with my paper and pen and understand myself in the process and a lot of the drawings as well are dreams I had at the time I just remember mm -hmm. these really strong dreams in those you know you're sleeping all that broken sleep and some of them were sort of 
I don't know if I'd call them nightmares, but they were pretty scary dreams of losing him, you know, mm. couldn't find him anywhere. You know, you're, you're sort of, you're becoming a mother. You're becoming someone that has a responsibility 24-7 and that's I never, you know, you don't know that until you you have something to be responsible for 24-7. So I, I just remember lots of dreams about, losing him or he became the size of a crumb and I had to find the crumb and then you know it was that that kind of Mm. um, so I drew I would draw the dreams as well because it just sort of helped me you know it's not like there's any time to think "Hmm, what did that dream mean you know I'll I'll discuss it with a friend no there's none of that anymore so the, the way that I did that was just by drawing it and it was sort of I guess a meditation um of sorts and not all those poems, not all those drawings and not all the poems made it into the book, but there's a good selection. Mm. Yeah. Were you worried before you had Slev that your creativity would be in any way stifled by motherhood or were you concerned about how that would work? You know, by the time I got pregnant, I think... I wasn't because I'd waited a long time to have him or felt like a long time. I think I didn't have a baby earlier because I was afraid of that. I thought once you have a baby, you can't do anything. That's sort of what I had in my mind. Once, once you do that, any kind of creativity or career or whatever you want to call it is over. Mm-hmm. I didn't have much of a reference point for mothers who are artists. Mm. Most of the community, no one had kids in their early 30s or late 20s or anything like that. I think I had one friend and that was it. Mm. So there weren't many role models, you know, of how an artist sort of goes about doing stuff, especially things like, you know, performing or touring or whatever it is, being on a TV show or, you know, how do you do that, you know? Mm. So... I waited and waited and waited and thought, oh, you've got to be ready. I mean, I think that was part of my panic. You've got to be ready till you don't want anything anymore. Mm -hmm. I, you know, now I see how funny that thinking was. Um, And also how, yeah, it doesn't quite work that way, but there is a huge surrender, obviously. Um, It just didn't look how I thought it would or had to look Mm. and yeah my creativity has taken a very different turn now I've I've been writing you know I I Mm. wrote I mean I wrote this book sort of accidentally and I I wrote a kid's book um as well and I'm writing something else now and I guess I certainly know that I've become much more efficient with time. I didn't know that would happen. You can do a hell of a lot in an hour, you know, before Lev, I think an hour was just, you know, nothing. Like basically I'd need days to do almost what I could do now in a couple of hours. I really, I really do think that. Mm. Um, Because your level of focus and, and there's just no no taking your eyes off the mark if you have to do something and you've got a tiny window you you get it done Mm. so it's meant that 
when I've wanted to express something, it happens between this and that hour. You know, it's not like waiting for something. Um, you know, it, no, it's like it's a whole other, whole other access to mm. to that. Did um so you you know you said you've been writing for years and years and years and years, yeah. Um, but did I mean obviously the subject matter was nothing you'd ever written about no. experience yeah. before. So did that feel different to you that writing process to you know the songwriting you'd done in the past or poetry you'd done in the past? You know what it didn't. Mm. It didn't at all. I mean. It's not the subject matter. The subject. I don't think the subject matter changes. Well, at the moment, I'm co-writing a memoir. That's quite different because it's, you know, thinking about someone else's voice and stuff like that. That's that's a whole other sort of type of writing. But as far as my songwriting, this poetry, other poems I'd written or other, no, it's coming from that same. It's the same form. This poetry book is in the same form that I've always written. It's the same voice that I've always written in. It's the same style, I think, that mm. I've always written in. The rhythm is familiar to me. There's nothing different about it in that way. And I think, you know, I hope, you know, with these poems, I I feel like there, I hope there's something in it for everybody I, I my hope was always that it's not just a book for mothers mm. you know I I think it's for women and for men and because I think we're all we're all creators we've all we've all created things we've all mothered fathered things we've all felt close to something and had to surrender to something and let go of something and help nourish and nurture something and that experience of being a creator and the relationship between you and your creation is a universal thing not to mention that we've all had a mother we all came from somebody we were all mothered ourselves so I think that that angle when I was writing was always there the angle of being a daughter the angle of being a wife the angle of being a mother and a god figure as well to another being um the angle of just creator artist you know it all comes into the motherhood experience um that i think we all tap into in different ways throughout our lives mm. yeah um talking about being a wife I felt like some of the poems were touching on relationships and I we've just I've just in the podcast finished a whole set of episodes on postpartum sex and relationships because that's everyone wants to know about because it's I feel like everyone goes through a big shift do you want to tell us a little bit about those poems and what was going on for you? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> when I was pregnant, I remember thinking, my goodness, he can do no wrong, my husband, Nadav. He can do no wrong because I was on this high, highest of highs. I just remember this, you know, he was perfect. 
in my eyes and we always joked that pretty much ended the night Lev was born. It was like he was no longer <laughs> in my eyes, um, you know, because you're having such different experiences and you're, and you sort of feel like you know best, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's instant, that feeling of, no, the baby needs this. No, and you don't know why you know that. You just know these things. So you're sort of bossing, you know, I remember feeling like I'm sort of bossing him around, but I have no idea what I'm doing. So on the one hand, you're wanting them to know what to do, but you know what you're doing at the same time. It's, it's a very strange tension to hold. Um, you don't know instinctively as much as I do, but please parent me because I'm terrified, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of, I felt like that was constantly going on. Um, so there was that, which I didn't really expect, obviously, you know, you've seen your friends go through it, you know, there's, everyone talks about, oh, you don't even get to look at each other anymore. You don't talk to it, you know, all that stuff. You just become sort of, you know, negotiators and all this stuff. So I, I was sort of ready for that stuff, but I think I didn't bank on and I think that's what that poem the loneliness is deep touches on as well that feeling of you still want to be the child you still want to be taken care of and Mm. yet you are the caretaker and it's just a confusing a confusing it's two people discovering new roles sort of transforming into something and it's it's clumsy it's really clumsy and I didn't feel that anyone really, I hadn't really heard much about it. I, I mean, I don't know what you could hear about it. It's just something that you experience. But so with those poems, um, there wasn't, I didn't write that much about it as much as I, well, they didn't make it into the book as much as I did write about it. But I think most of it is about that you're sort of getting to know each other in a whole new way and seeing each other in a whole new light. And there's such a big change to your own body and how you feel in your body and how they appear to you. I just remember thinking he looked completely different. I felt completely different. And and we were in love with something else now, you know, the enlovement that was just us. There was now this thing in between us that was perfect and adored and we were sort of putting all our enlovement into that. So it's, there's a clumsiness and I think that's sort of how I write about it. It just... I guess, you know, and I can't say it's not like, oh, give it a year or two. You know, it's still really different and it's always going to be. And that's, that's welcome. I guess you want life to change. Um, But that's one that I think I'm still, I'm still very much in the early stages of discovery with even three years down the track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that you know for some people you can ha- you can hit not issues but you can kind of go through that big 
shock of change with your partner early yeah. in the piece, but with other people and with me as well, like it was, it was down the track actually that it was, right, like, right. You, know, it's, you know, it's really interesting how different couples go through. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah it, it is a slow burn because, because your focus is so on this new experience it's sort of gradual it, it takes something for you to go wait a minute what about us you know it's sort of it, it takes a while to even let your mind go there so it's not yeah. like you realize straight away oh isn't this different aren't we different you know <laughs> it did it took a really you know probably even that first year you're not even really for mm. me I felt like I wasn't even really that was the least of my thoughts you know it was sort of after that year and I felt that year mark I felt it was like almost the next day it was like a different phase it was like bliss bubble year and then it was like clunky like one year and one day it was like wait a minute this mm. feels completely different and that's where I started having eyes to look at other things to mm. consider my own place in the world mm. my husband my family where do I fit into all these things now my friendships it took took time yeah how did you get through that did it do you feel like things changed dramatically from pre-baby when your place in the world Mm, um well yeah it's impossible that it could stay the same you know when i remember hearing going to a, a mother's group thing and someone saying I just I'm just waiting for things to go back to what they were or to feel like I used to Mm. (laughs) and I remember thinking oh my god that's that's never gonna happen it's it's only forward from here it's only different from here it doesn't mean you're never gonna feel like yourself but it's gonna be a different self um and I you know I really welcomed that I wasn't like madly in love with the life I had before I think by the time I had Lev I was sort of like I'm up for I'm up for this like I'm up for something different and to change patterns and to so I really welcomed change Mm. in that way um I'm sure there are people that have their life really exactly how they want it before they have a child. And that would be really intense to feel like I want to go back to that. I didn't experience that. Um, You know, I think, yeah. So I just, I don't know, this memory just popped in talking about relationships as well and stuff like that. I was at a, I had a mother's group that I, I still have the same mother's group and um, that was really wonderful even though it was, God, it was hard to get to. I, I mean, I remember just arriving with my tongue out, just just like running, you know, it was just always, everyone just seemed to be there, the babies, were, and it was like so hard for me. I, don't, I mean, I remember having, I, I didn't leave the house properly for about eight weeks. I just couldn't manage. That was definitely, I gave myself all the time in the world with that. I was 
definitely not one of those mums at the cafe when the baby's three days, you know. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, it didn't even feel possible to, to leave and I was happy and safe at home. But getting to this mother's group was a thing and I remember a few times sort of being like, hey, does anyone feel kind of weird like and and kind of like your husband's really annoying right now you know (laughs) and I remember just people sort of looking at me kind of like no and no one no one sort of saying yeah and feeling like oh my god you know what and it was only later that someone approached me and said you know yeah I kind of I kind of do too you know um and maybe, you know, we're all strangers, so it's not like anyone is obligated to be honest with me about what was going on. But I sort of took it as, oh, maybe like no one is. But I, you know, and this goes back to sort of the book and everything, I felt there was this gap, you know. I couldn't I couldn't bite into what was, I wanted to taste what was this, but I couldn't. I couldn't bite into it somehow because I didn't have someone to reflect it for me. There was, there wasn't, I couldn't find people that were really saying yes, exactly about that or exactly about that. And it has to be sort of people that are just exactly like virtually neighbours because you can't get anywhere, you can't talk to anyone. It's like you end up hanging out with strangers all the time. I was just like seeing these women that I, I didn't know and your best friends are sort of somewhere out there and it's I don't know how I got onto this bit but um yeah anyway well, that, that brings me to um I wanted yeah. to ask you about who who supported you during postpartum did you go into did you go into having a baby going right I'm gonna need support from this person and this person I'm gonna you know ask this person to cook what was your approach yeah. or it was it different to how things actually panned out? You know, it wasn't planned. I remember that's not like I talked about it with anyone. I just knew that, you know, my husband's family all live in our area and they're very involved in everything. Um, so they were incredible. They were just around all the time, dropping in, just and I was really into having people for whatever yeah. reason. It seems crazy now that that could have been me, but I was. I, I was really wanted. Mm. Yeah, I really did. Um, my parents live a little further away, but they they would come when they could, and I I felt completely held. I I never felt. Um, I think when sort of the three month mark, that's when you start sort of like you should be more, you know, there's a feeling of like, Mm -hmm. okay, now you're three months and, and feeling like everyone, because he was born in December. So it was sort of holidays Mm. for people. Um, When everyone kind of went back and marched and three months in, and I remember feeling like everyone's at work, you know, or my husband's an artist as well. So he was around, but you know, when he had to go, (laughs) I remember that feeling of, and that was at three months of feeling kind of like, I'm not sure I know what to even do here. Like I don't even know. I hadn't even left the house on my own. At that mm-hmm. point, I'd always walked out with my husband, always walked out with. So um, 
like I didn't drive. I don't think I drove for like the first year. I just, mm -hmm. I couldn't even, I would catch the bus. I couldn't even fathom what I would do if the baby cried. But I, I, I definitely wasn't hard on myself about that stuff. Um, but I did, I had a lot of support, a lot of, you know, people who were well versed in the whole looking after the mother bit. That's great. Um, yeah, mm. it was because gosh, my goodness. I mean, I'd really wanted to take that fourth trimester idea on. That's all, you know, as far as planning something, I knew that I'd really mm. wanted that, that I was not going to push myself to do anything. And yeah, I had no need. For, I knew I'd have no need for the world. Mm. and I, I took that because it felt right not because it was an idea simply because it felt absolutely right to me mm. yeah. so for the women out there who you know are artists or have you know love their creativity or are feeling in some way that that part of them is being squashed or burdened by motherhood what advice mm. would you give them? Mm, I, I think I would say, you know, looking for things in the places that you've been and the places that you've explored before is probably not going to yield so much. Well, I'm just speaking for myself. I have no idea how it is for anyone else. Many people go back to what they were doing and it's awesome. For me, I felt like it wasn't thought out. It just happened this way that I, I opened myself to the possibility of other things, of other outlets, of other paths. It was almost like, hey, let's reinvent the whole thing. I just, why not? I mean, I've done that. I've done that. And so I guess I would say let yourself, let your imagination be open to new ways of doing things, new ways of being. I think there's such a huge creative surge that comes with this gig, you know. It feels like things should end, but I feel like they only begin. Mm. There's, there's a new power now that no one, I, I certainly could have never imagined. I mean, I just don't care as much what people think about things. I don't all of that's changed. You know, I was, I used to be so scared to put out something that I'd done or, you know, there was certain, now it's just like you've been there. Like, you know, there's one of my poems where it's, you know, just about the sort of, I, I think a big theme is the sort of ecstatic nature of disappearing and of letting yourself disappear and of letting yourself be no one, you know, and sometimes you sort of pine for, oh, I remember when I used to be somebody to myself. I don't even mean to the world, but unto myself, I mattered unto, unto myself. I, I was a person and I don't mean let yourself go and don't take care of yourself. And, you know, I just mean, it's sort of a spiritual part of this whole thing that I've actually really taken delight in, which is I just matter so much less now. And I, I, I 
I kind of love that. Um, it's got grief too, but it gives me this power to sort of do whatever I want to do and take the risks that I want to take and, and imagine completely different creative outlets. And that was part of the vision with Mother Courage because mm -hmm. both me and Sarah were like just starting to have ideas that weren't in the in the fields of, you know, it wasn't all just music and it wasn't acting and it wasn't, it was just other stuff like writing or TV shows or we, you know, like we were just having other kinds of ideas. And I think you have to let yourself be open to that. All those ideas won't even come. Um, so that's my little humble piece of advice. Cause I feel like we're all winging it, but um, mm. to be, open to the potential of a completely different thing coming into your life that you will find you are lit mm. up by. Mm. You know? Totally, totally. Yeah. Resonate with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was a journalist for 10 years before I started doing this. Yeah, I right. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be doing it if I hadn't gone through. Yeah. My mum. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that so often and I think it's, yeah. So true, and it's, it's amazing. And it's not even like, oh, compromise. Oh, let's see what you could do if you don't. It's not even that. It's like, what lights me up now as this yeah. new sort of configuration of who I am? Because in a way, you feel like you're kind of a new bunch of cells and limbs and brain. You know, it's like kind of let yourself be that new thing. You mm. know? Um. It, it's not compromises. It's not trying to piece together. It will happen, you know, just find your moments of, mm. of lit upness. Um, mm. Yeah. So. I love that. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me. Um, can you tell people where they can find you and Madre and. Everything? Yes. So. Madre is available. So there's only 350 copies in the whole world. So we're going quick. So if um, you want to buy one, it's... Um, what have I got? I've got 110. Yeah. yeah. And that was a little while ago. So, yeah, I think we're into the 200s now. <laughs> um, so um, mother-courage.com is the website where you can buy it. And if you put in slash Madre, you go straight into the um, buying page. But you can read all about Mother Courage and me and Sarah and have a look at some of the poems in the book. We've put up some pictures there as well. Lovely. Thank you so yeah. much. And congratulations. Oh, so nice to you. Yeah, well, so thank glad you. that I found you. Thank you so much for listening to Tales from the Fourth Trimester. I appreciate each and every one of you who listens, shares, rates and reviews and does all of those things, tells a friend the works. Um, if you'd like to connect with me, you can head on over to Instagram or Facebook at Cocoon by Naomi is where you can find me. If you'd like to find out more about my food packages and place an order, or if you'd like to get in touch about some in-home support, you can head to my website, which is www.cocoonbynaomi.com. Thanks and see you next week. Mm -hmm.